Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 202, brought to you by Hook'em.com, our good friends at Bud Light. I'm Cedric Golden, joined as usual by the Duck, Kirk Bowles. And Duck, we have a great one with us today. 37 seasons covering Ohio State football. Many years with the Columbus Dispatch, 35 years. And he is the name behind the very popular Tim May podcast that <laughs> drops every Tuesday on Letterman.com. Our guy, Tim May. What's up, Tim? Uh, the stock market, I hope, man. I hope it's the stock market. <laughs> it's, uh, by the way, it's LettermanRow.com. But, you know, just don't call me late for lunch. That's all I got to ask. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so funny. That's you so can't funny. stay retired, can you, Tim? No, you know. It's funny, Kirk, because I'm, mean, excuse me, duck. It's funny because uh, it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck. But uh, it's funny because I wanted to get rid of having to do this every day. You know what I mean? I'm, I retired uh, at the end of the 2018 season. Uh, my last, the last story I wrote for the Columbus Dispatch, oh, I was sitting at the Pepperdine campus above uh, the Pacific Ocean after the Rose Bowl, you know, when, uh, when they won the Rose Bowl, Urban Meyer's last game at Ohio State. And, uh, I go, this is the way to go out. But then people started throwing money at me a little bit, you know, if, you know, at least doing something. And, uh, and I, as I told you guys before we came on the air, who knew, who knew Medicare wasn't free, you know? <laughs> so, so, I, so I signed up for a little bit, but I'm, I'm still not working uh, like I used to, but I enjoy what I'm doing and I enjoy talking about things we're going to talk about because it's uh, an interesting time in college football to say the least. Boy, you know, you're talking, I'm telling you, I, I would think you would just stayed right where you were there, Pepperdine, and just, you know, do your podcast from oh, there. But uh, that's, about, is that, that's Malibu, isn't it? Yeah, dude, it, it costs more to go to Pepperdine. And I probably made in a year, you know, I mean, uh, per year. So uh, it's a good place to visit, as the old saying goes, once you get in the gate for free. Yeah, well, let's delve right in, Tim. Uh, like you said, you've covered the the Buckeyes for almost four decades and, and if not longer, um, and you covered uh, Urban Meyer. You, how well do you think you know Urban Meyer, Tim? I know him pretty well. Uh, you know, he's a – he's. I've always liked Urban. I liked him when he was a graduate assistant. I started covering Ohio State as a beat in 1984, and he got hired as a graduate assistant at Ohio State in 86 and 87. But he was intense. He was intense mm -hmm. even then. Uh he, he, you know, he, it wasn't like he'd come out and shoot the bull with everybody every day, you know, but that was back Kirk in, in the days when we actually got to cover a beat, actually got to be there, you know, as I, as I like to, exactly. I used to tell John Cooper, I saw him more during football season than I saw my wife, you know what I mean? And Earl Bruce was the same way, but, uh, uh, <laughs> and even Jim Trussell, but, uh, but uh, to a certain extent, but anyway, 
I got to know him a little, little bit back then and stuff. And he was always known as being driven and uh, very intense and, uh, you know, uh, uh, trying to be upwardly mobile as much as possible. But he was also uh, very much dedicated to whatever job it was he was doing at the time. And uh, so that's what stood out to me about him. And when, when the whole staff got fired after the week before the Michigan game in 87, but they still played the Michigan game, real famous uh, – the players came out with the Earl or the Bruce headbands on and uh, for that game and won that final game for Earl Bruce. I mean, uh, you know, Urban didn't hesitate. He went and found a job, you know, I think it was Illinois State originally and then moved on from there and hooked up with Sonny Lubick and then uh, Lou Holtz at Notre Dame. And and uh, the, the rest, as they say, in, as they old saying goes, is history. Mm-hmm. Well, knowing him as well as you do, and he's that guy that goes away for a couple of years, and that bug, that coaching bug, just never is never too far from him. Uh, is is in your you know read your tea leaves? Is it possible that he could be the next head coach at the University of Texas? I'm checking uh, checking the internet right now. Is <laughs> has Tom Herman been? Tom Herman been let go. What, what, what's the deal there, Sid? Tom <laughs> news Her- arrives late during the snowstorms up here. Yeah, we're going to send a news flash up north. Tom Herman, as as of Wednesday, December second, the taping of this podcast is still the Texas head coach, but still the one, still yeah. the one. Yes, that's a good song, but he's uh, but he's not having fun because yeah, he may not yeah. be the one. Uh, anytime soon. Urban, he might be having fun, but people, I guess, who uh, cheer for uh, good old uh, University of Texas may not be. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. This is uh, Urban's second year out of uh, after he retired from Ohio State, and uh, does a good job on Fox. Retired from coaching. You know, he was only out of coaching for a year at Florida. It was actually a shorter time than that because he got hired in late November to. You know, at Ohio State in late November of 2011 to become the next head coach at Ohio State because, you know, what happened at Ohio State with Jim Trestle, et cetera. And Luke Fickle, now the head coach at uh, Cincinnati, doing a hell of a job there, had been the interim coach. So uh, this is the longest Urban has been out of coaching uh, since he got into coaching. Uh, you know, it's interesting. He's got a place here called the Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer's Pint House, and uh, he's got the 7-0 and room which is where we've done some shows, uh, you know, with LettermanRoad.com and stuff. We do a weekly show there uh, during the season right now, weekend kickoff show. And, uh, you know, the 7-0 and room, that's like when people started putting up the uh, the rumor that he might end up going to Michigan. I said, well, he'd have to close the 7-0 and room because that's what that's all about, you know, as he went 7-0 and against University of Michigan, uh, or as he says, the team up north. But I digress. Uh to answer your question, I'm, I'm going to take 20 minutes to answer this question, uh, as Love you've it. noticed. Love it. I have no Follow idea. Uh, Urb, Urban is still quite enthusiastic about football. All you got to do is watch him on, uh, you know, on the, the big noon kickoff shows er, on Fox. I think he's really enjoying that. Uh, I think he's uh, – you know, it's the farther you get away from something, I think you understand there's another life out there. He and his wife have built, the way I understand it, their dream house on the west coast of Florida. Um, you know, how soon they could move into there, you know, remains to be seen. They still have a place, obviously, uh, up here in Columbus, actually in Dublin, uh, actually on, on the 7th Fairway 
at Muirfield Village where they play the Memorial Tournament every year. Nice. Got a great place here. He's got a his son-in-law is a quarterbacks coach at Ohio State, Corey Dennis, which means uh, Urban's two grandsons live right down the street from him. You know, so there are all these ties. I think pulling on him a little bit. Yeah. How, how much he needs to be a coach again, uh, I think remains to be seen. Uh, and I'm not. I'm, I'm answering your question roundabout because I think it's a roundabout answer. You know, and it's a roundabout uh, question because there's yeah, a, well, it a really is right now because. Yeah. There, there's no vacancy, you know, but, and he's real, he's always been big right. about, you know, that. And, uh, uh, but to answer your question, is he a hell of a coach? Damn straight, damn straight. And, uh, and, uh, you know, there, there have been the thoughts that, uh, one of the, one of the reasons he might not do it. I mean, he, he would probably have to pass a physical to a certain extent because one of the reasons, he retired at Ohio State. He's, he has that arachnoidal cyst in his in his skull, which uh, caused him a lot of problems in uh, 2018, and uh, it's a real it's a real thing, you know, and uh, really can't be removed, et cetera. It has to be treated to a certain extent. How much? And it is it is triggered the way I understand those kind of things are triggered a lot by anxiety, by uh, by stress, stress. et cetera. And uh, so whether uh, whether he can, you know, deal with that remains to be. I don't think he's having any problems with it right now. Of course, you know how how stressful is it dealing with uh, uh, Matt Leinart and uh, Reggie Bush on Saturdays, and uh, as opposed to you know fourth and one against uh, the team up north. <laughs> but uh, that's a different kind of stress, guys. You know, you guys, things we everybody talks about deadline pressure. Well, that's real deadline pressure. But so there's that to deal with. The other thing is. One of the part and parcels to him becoming very uh, successful at Ohio State, the Ohio State, the best winning percentage by far ever at Ohio State, um, one of the best, if not the best, close to one of the best winning percentages overall in college football history. I'm talking about his uh, years as a head coach. Uh, uh, the last several years, he had Mark Pantone as his, as his recruiting, basically his recruiting guru guy that sets everything up in that regard, and Mickey Marotti as his strength and conditioning coach, or as they call it now, football performance, <coughs> football performance coordinator. <laughs> you know, those guys are I making mean, a lot of money title. now. They yes. should, and they should be. My point is, I think they're very happy yeah. at Ohio state. For example, uh, you would have to find a couple of guys like that. You know, if in fact, cause those are the, those are the two key components of, of a staff anymore other than, you know, who you, who you hire as assistant coaches There are a lot of assistant coaches out there. I mean, obviously uh, Stan Drayton and, and uh, Chris Ash coached under urban. Uh, so whether they, mm -hmm. you know, they're already there so they could show him at least, you know, where the restrooms are and everything and the <laughs> facility. But uh, and I'm round about answering your question because I don't think he's going to give a straight answer either. I think coaching I've told him many times you know, uh, he's as great a football coach as I've ever been around. I've been around some really good ones. And even back in my day growing up gr growing up in Texas, I was a sports editor of the Lufkin News way back when. But I got to meet coaches. You know, there, there was one game in 74 when, when uh, Lufkin hosted John Tyler High School, which said, did you go to John Tyler? I went to T.K. Gorman. Oh, okay. I lived, I lived in the JT yeah. School District, but I, I, I went to some games with guys like Ronnie Blake – those kind of yeah. guys that would always Ronnie come Blake. in. Ruff, yeah. Ruffkin always had great athletes. 
Well, there was a game in 74 when Lufkin hosted John Tyler. It was a year after Earl left to go to uh, Texas, and his two t- twin brothers, I think, Tim and Steve, were on that team. And Lufkin had these twin brothers, uh, uh, Cedric and El- uh, Eldrick and uh, – what, Brown uh, – Eldrick – and said, I can't remember their names, damn it. Anyway, Brand, the Brown brothers, they were twins. They they were two Ted Ginn juniors is the way I like to describe them wow. to people up here. Wow. But uh, wow. uh, anyway, bottom line is there were five five Southwest Conference head coaches in the press box that night at Lufkin. You know what I Because, mean? wow. you know, wow. I think Lufkin was number four in the state and John Tyler was number three or something. But my point is I've been around a lot of head coaches and stuff, but Urban is this – is as effective as anybody I've ever seen about dotting all the I's and crossing the T's. And uh, the intensity he puts into recruiting is second to no one, including Nick Saban, in my opinion. That's the essence of it. As you guys know, that's why we're talking right now. I mean, you know, the you know, Ohio State has gone down to Texas. Garrett Wilson's from right there, like 10 miles from where you guys are sitting right now, you know? Uh, Lake Travis, maybe 15. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you know, uh, Jeffrey Okuda uh, was, uh, you know, all the guys I can name. I mean, uh, uh, Jackson Smith J. and Jigba. Dobbins. Yeah. J.K. Dobbins yeah. from LaGrange. Yeah, my, my brother. Yeah. My younger brother has a uh, weekend ranch around. I keep getting all these phone calls right now, by the way, in the midst of this podcast, but I digress. But the bottom line is, you know, Ohio State's done a great job of going in there and cherry picking Baron Browning, one of their starting linebackers right now from Fort yeah. Worth area. Getting oh, in there. Yeah. You know, they've done a great job of going in, but so have other people. And uh and Urban's Urban's kept up with that. You know, you've seen some of his comments about there really being it's kind of hard to believe Texas, for example, it, it has looked as poor as it has on defense and has had so few guys drafted from the defense over the last many years, that shouldn't be happen, happening in a state as talent-rich uh, as Texas, yeah. where really you put a 500-mile radius from Austin, there you shouldn't have to go to Florida or wherever to get football players. I mean, They're I told them uh, out of the trees here. I told Tom Herman that when he uh, when he went to the University of Houston. I said within 100 miles of Houston, there's probably uh, you know 500 Division One football players every year. Mm-hmm. who have either been yeah, discovered yeah. or should be discovered. And so, yeah, I mean, I think yeah, that's yeah. – Look at Kyle Yeah, what's happened with <laughs> the recruiting? Look at Kyle Didn't even oh, yeah. start at Manville, and now he's a high favorite. You know? well, the, Tim, let me digress a little bit. To I me, mean, it Jalen comes down to three things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's uh, Urban's health is uh, a very big thing. Shelly – and the family, how do they feel? And does he still have that itch? Like Mac Brown couldn't stay away, you know, after, I don't know what it was, five or six years back in North Carolina doing doing very well. So if yep. you look at the health, Shelley's desires, and the itch to coach again, how would you evaluate Urban's chances to get back into coaching? Yeah, that's, that's interesting because Shelley has never been a fan of the, like, for example, the Ohio winters. <laughs> <laughs> There's snow on the ground up here, by the way, fellas. I don't know what it's like in Austin today. Uh, there's no snow, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. I think it snowed once in Lufkin when I lived there. Lived there for 11 years, but I digress. Mid 80s, um, it did snow all over yeah. East Texas. Yes. Yeah. What do you think he wants? I don't. I. I. I, I think Urban. Uh, it's kind of like when you've. Uh, it's kind of like when you've flown an airplane, you know. But now, you know, you've. 
given up your captain's wings and now you sit in the back, but you know, you could have done that landing better than the guy who just landed it, you know, <laughs> you know, exactly. I, I really, I'll be, I'm, I'm trying to think if I've had an actual conversation with him because I've had him on my podcast several times uh, among other things, but uh, I'm trying to right. think if I've had a conversation with him where he has just that ridiculous itch to get, to get back into it because he stepped away from it yeah. for a lot of good reasons, mainly, mainly his health. But uh, he also right. left Ohio State on some tough terms there because, uh, you know, in my opinion, he, he, he got, in my opinion, he got screwed over. I mean, for one of another term, I don't feel I can use that on your mm-hmm. podcast, but uh, oh, uh, he feels the same what happened? Way. And what happened in 2018, he got yeah. screwed over, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, that wasn't – he didn't have to leave, let yeah. me put it that way. But uh, uh, but I haven't gotten a vibe that he can't live without coaching football anymore. I think the first six months out of it, you, you kind of got that impression. But he's really loosened up, for example yeah. – on the shows he does, you know, I mean, he does all kinds of interviews around the country and stuff, but also the shows he does for Fox and uh, for the big 10 network and things. I think he's really enjoying being that, uh, you know, that uh, August member of the, of the former, uh, of former coaches yet. He's kind of young. Like when Daryl Royal quit, remember when Daryl Royal stepped away from football at a relatively young age. Uh, at 50. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Urban was what? Urban's 10 years, exactly 10 years younger than me. So he stepped away at 55 and uh, or 54. What was that? How old was that? Yeah, 50, yeah. going on 55. And uh, so there's mm-hmm. he's, there's definitely a youthful enthusiasm about him. And like I said, if he could control the uh, arachnoidal cyst uh, irritation from time to time, I, I could see him. I could see him coaching mm-hmm. again. But I don't know in his heart whether he wants to do it, you know. Uh, uh, but there is something to be said for a challenge. He likes challenges, and he really likes he really likes uh, motivating. This is going to sound sappy. I don't care if it does. He really likes finding, motivating, and uh, and coaching uh, young men. I mean, uh, you know, I'm talking about 18 yeah. to 22 year olds. He really likes it when a plan comes together. And by the way, on the other side of that, he detests losing. <laughs> so yeah, that's it's a good thing he didn't lose much because uh he probably would have lost his mind if he, you know, ever had one of those kind of seasons. And he if you look, he really never had one of those kind of seasons. Uh uh it's remarkable uh what he put in. I haven't I didn't answer your question directly, uh Duck, because uh I don't know the direct, I don't know the exact answer to that. Only urban knows that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And anybody likes seeing their, anybody, anybody likes seeing the fact that they're still attractive, you know, to someone, whether they're a movie star or a coach. (laughs) That's the truth. You're more relevant relevant when you're in the game. Absolutely. You know, I don't know in all your conversations, Tim, does he ever, has the Texas job ever even come up when, when, no, not really. Not, not really, really, you know, okay. not really. Uh, like, like I said, it's come up in the fact that, uh, you know, there, there is no, there is no secret to any, in, with anyone that it looks like Texas has underachieved, you know, uh, but, you know, Texas yeah. has never been quite like Ohio state in the sense, I mean, it's remarkable what Ohio state has done 
over the years with very few dips, you know, on the, on the screen. If you look back exactly. since Woody Hayes came around and quite a few of those dips happened during Woody's time, but you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's been, it's an interesting place uh, because it is no, no doubt about it. The number one uh, school in the state of Ohio, Texas has got all kinds of, you know, uh, people, people from in the state, people from out, outside of the state trying to pill for your good players, et cetera. Yeah. And that's not to say that Ohio state has been built on uh, uh, Ohio only players. That's far from the matter. You know, Justin Fields is from Georgia, for example, you know, right. uh, JK Dobbins was from LaGrange, Texas, uh, right on down the line, as we've talked about urban. I mean, what Ohio state did a great job and still is still doing a great job. It's basically got the number one, number one, number two class in the country for 2021 and uh, mm-hmm. number one right now for 2022 is they do a great job of, of, of zeroing in on somebody out of state, finding out what is a, what would be attractive to them uh, about Ohio state, whether they have a chance for them and then going for them, you know, and, uh, Urban was really good at that, in my opinion. He and his staff uh, about making taking Ohio State from a team that occasionally went and got some a good, really good player from uh, around the country to basically being a household name in almost every household in the country. And uh, that's what you know mm-hmm. Texas should be. Also, you know, when you think about it, and uh, I think Urban would definitely work toward that because not every not every player you need is from the great state of Texas, but you should get the superstars from the great state of Texas. If you're the head coach at the university of Texas, I'm sure that'd be his credo. So I think he's, I would think he's a little, yeah, I don't, there's no doubt about it. I think he's a little puzzled by the fact they haven't achieved like maybe they should have down there. You know what? You had a ringside seat for the, for the uh, Tom Herman, Urban Meyer marriage of three seasons, which included a, national championship. Uh, I was really intrigued a couple of years back. Uh, Tom had some injuries or something and he was making excuses and Urban called him out on national TV. He goes, you're a head coach of a great t- of a great program. You don't make excuses like that, which begged, which begged the question to me, uh, what was the dynamic of that relationship? Were they just coworkers, or was that was that daddy putting putting his uh, son in in his place and letting him know this is how the big boys do it at big time colleges? What's in, what's impressive? What was impressive about Urban when he took the job at Ohio State was uh, he didn't just hire a bunch of old cronies who had worked with him before. You know, on his staff, he hired guys for new guys for specific reasons because he did he'd spent a year on what I called it a sabbatical, not retirement, but a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. And one of those guys he liked was Tom Herman. You know, originally he went after the guy uh, who was the uh, uh, offensive coordinator at Clemson, uh, was the head coach at uh, SMU and then uh, Arkansas. Chad Morris. Yeah. Everybody wanted a little bit of him, you know, um, based on the way he revolutionized some things offensively at Clemson because, you know, Urban's Urban's uh, approach to offense is uh, be be on the cutting edge. Don't be following somebody else's lead if you can help it, you know. And uh, re- mm. you know, don't just recruit to one system. Be 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 looking, you know, be looking for the for the next great thing. And uh, Tom Herman brought the uh, brought the ability of that rapid fire offense, you know, when he was at Iowa State, uh, and uh, it had developed that. And that's something Urban wanted in his arsenal based on the way Oregon, what he had liked from Chip Kelly at Oregon. My point was. I think they got along pretty well. 
Tom Herman's always been, always enjoyed dealing with Tom Herman when he was at, at Ohio State. No doubt about it. I thought he was very intelligent. You know, member of Mensa, and I'd bring it up to him from time to time. Huh. Uh, and uh, uh, and I think he, I think he enjoyed uh, the idea that. You know, like that, that has nothing to do with if you get beat on Saturday, people don't think you're a member of Mensa. But, but, <laughs> Amen. but uh, I always enjoyed him. He named one of his sons Maverick. I'm a big uh, Top Gun fan. You know what I mean? Nice. And, uh, and, and, you know, there was one, what was the game? I think it was Purdue. And uh, they had come back, and uh, uh, I don't remember the exact circumstances at the end of the game. I don't know if this was to win the game or to tie the game and go to overtime. And uh, the Ohio State had just scored, and everybody uh, on the headsets is basically, you know, uh, Carlos Hyde wants to run the ball in for the two-point conversion. And, and all these people are lobbying because they had just scored on a running play. And Tom Herman just basically stood up. He was in the press box, stood up and said, "You know, we're going to run. We're going to run this two-point play that we worked on, and it's going to work." You know, basically, uh, Urban acquiesced, and I think it was a pass to Jeff Hireman, and it was good. And Ohio State goes on to win the game. That was a year they went twelve and zero uh, when they probably should have gone eight and four. And that Urban's first year at Ohio State, and so right then you knew that uh, Tom Herman. Uh, would stand up for himself and for what he believed in from the standpoint of, you know, offensive football, et cetera, and had the temerity to stand up to the man, you know? And I, I think Urban, Urban likes people. Right. Urban challenges – how do I put this? Urban's idea is I don't care what you did yesterday. I want to know what you're doing today and what you plan to do tomorrow to make this a better program. And so – uh Keeps pushing some, that envelope. Some people, some people flourish in that in that situation. Some people shy away from it, and uh, I think Tom flourished in that situation for the most part. That's, and that's uh, the, uh, so Greg Popovich. But it doesn't necessarily. But it doesn't necessarily mean you you two guys are golfing buddies or you know True. drinking buddies or whatever. You know that that uh, I, I don't I don't think Urban uh, his last time his last, at Ohio State was looking for best buddies. Uh, on his coaching staff, he was looking mm-hmm. for people to push who could handle being pushed. And uh, Tom was definitely one of those guys. But that doesn't necessarily mean you come out of that relationship feeling mm-hmm. all lovey-dovey. And back to what you were saying, you know, Urban, I had him on my podcast a, a few weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about just, uh, you know, just around the country uh, teams, don't be blaming players, you know. You know, that's those are your players. You know, don't don't be saying, well, as soon as I get my players in here, we're going to be this, this and this. Uh, right. You you know, he took over a team that he inherited that probably wasn't as as uh, talented as some Ohio State teams had been previously and turned those into a, a 12 and 0 football team. Matter of fact, a team that didn't lose a game its first 24 games. And uh, and he brought in some new guys. Obviously, the recruiting class of 2012 and 2013 are are legendary for Ohio State, and they've just continued on that upward plane. But uh, that was – I think his point was, those are your players, man. You're going to be judged on how those guys play this year. You know, uh, forget about what you might have coming in the door in two years. You know, coach your players. Coach them up. And uh, I'm sure that's what that was all about. That was a roundabout answer it to like, whatever your question like was. It seemed like their re- relationship since fractured 
And part of that, as Cedric mentioned, was the whole injury thing and blaming the players. And there was the Zach Smith thing where yeah. there was talk about Tom Herman's wife, Michelle, befriending Zach Smith's wife, Courtney. So, uh, and that brings us to the baggage question, the 30 plus arrests of players at Florida, the Zach Smith, the domestic violence, toleration, his suspension at Ohio State. How much baggage do you think he carries with him and you think that would trouble Texas in any respects? Well, Zach was the grandson of Earl Bruce. And uh, pretty much Urban gave him a shot of a lifetime of being an assistant coach at Ohio State when he did. Right. Number two, Zach was never – Zach was never uh, convicted of any of the things we're talking about. He has been, has had right. a restraining order, uh, you know, or a stay away order put on, uh, et cetera. That's what I was getting to a while ago. I mean, uh, the university and the athletic department, but the athletic department for sure was aware of some of the situations with Zach Smith way back when that whole thing came down. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, urban, Along, uh, Urban was pretty much made a semi-scapegoat in that, uh, even though the athletic, depart- athletic department administration was aware of uh, some situations with Zach, by the right. way, of which he was never arrested, you know, and charged. Right. And uh, so that's a long, convoluted uh, uh, answer to a question. Uh, uh, in my opinion, uh, like I told you a while ago, I thought Urban Meyer got sh- sort of got screwed over in that whole deal. And I stand mm-hmm. by that. Uh, uh, most of the board of trustees, uh, you know, I think um, thought of it as I did, but there were several people who decided to make a, an example of him, including the president of the university, who's by the way, no longer around. Uh, he's back in California somewhere. And, uh, and it is what it is, but it is, it is on your, on your uh, public quote, public record. Uh, but I don't think that would, uh, I mean, urban is urban's pretty much a tell you like it is kind of guy. My favorite line about urban Meyer is don't ask him a question. You don't want to hear the answer to. <laughs> he'll give and, it to uh, you. Straight shooter. Yeah. I mean, he's always, he's always believed in being a straight shooter. Now his, his opinion of something may not be uh, correct, you know, or may not be the same as yours. Uh, or judge to be correct, but he's going to give you uh, his answer. And, uh, right. and so, yeah, I think there was a, I think there definitely was a falling out. Uh, I think the bigger falling out was between Zach Smith and, uh, and Tom Herman than it was between necessarily urban and Tom Herman. Uh, but uh, right. You know, it is what it is at this point. There were never any, there weren't a lot of things that came to light that were factual that you could put up on a screen and say, yeah, this is what happened. Uh, let me just leave it at that. But it would be ironic. It would be ironic yeah. if Urban Meyer followed Tom Herman. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't it be? And I wonder if Tom Herman is trying to the Mac undermine the bid to try to bring Nick Saban here because Mac Brown was trying to hang on to his job, so he was bad mouthing Nick Saban and he was extending the delay by a week. Well, wait a minute. I wanted to ask you guys this. Yeah. That's what I wanted to know. I mean, because, you know, y'all are interviewing me, but I want to interview you. Okay. How much of this How much of this right now is posturing? Obviously, Nick Saban was, a, uh, was already an employed coach at the University of Alabama, by the way, my favorite team when I was growing up because I grew up in there 11 years and we moved to Texas for 11 years. 
went to Alabama home games in the early 60s with my dad. Saw Bear Bryant actually walk on water. Found out later he knew where the rocks were, but I digress. <laughs> I wanted to get that all out there. I wanted to, I wanted to be a truth in advertising here. But how much of that was uh, uh, posturing and how much of it was was actually trying to be trying to become reality? What do you remember of that episode of trying to get Nick Saban? It was, I remember it vividly. It was very real, and they had boosters, and one guy who is the, uh, ran a corporation that I won't name uh, was triggering it, was a hunting buddy of Nick Saban's, and he was the yeah. spearhead to that whole thing. I think it was genuine. It was real. The problem was the AD, Steve Patterson, and the president of the school, Bill Powers, did not want Nick Saban because they thought he'd be bigger than the university, which, of course, he would have been. And so they kind of submarine the whole deal, but I think it was, yeah. had a lot of legitimacy to it. And Mac, and, Mac, it and, and, and Mac knew he was gone and he, he, he put, he, he sunk his feet. He planted his feet and, and held on just for about five days. And we were at the football banquet and, and checking Twitter. And, and we hear, we see that Nick Saban had signed an extension with yeah. Alabama during the football banquet at Texas. And, like uh, a foot dragon. On second thought. Yeah, Tim, that's fascinating stuff. The last two I want to have on Urban is, would he have any trouble putting a staff together or have, were most of them comfortable on Ryan Day's staff or have taken other jobs? And what is your gut feel? What did your gut say on Urban going to Texas? Who is the uh, who's the guy that's a coordinator at Baylor right now? That was uh, I think he was hanging around the Texas staff last year. Uh, who am I thinking of? Oh, uh, uh, Larry. Uh, he's yeah, uh, Larry Fedora. Fedora. Yes. Yeah, Carolina you know, I heard him on heard him on a radio uh, show back during the the back during the spring or late summer because I had to go to Texas quite a few times because my mother was uh, uh, my mother finally passed away in uh, June down in Texas. Uh, but anyway, but I, I would drive, but I would be listening to radio shows on Sirius XM. And, and he said one of the reasons he went to, went to Texas and was hanging around Tom Herman uh, in that staff uh, last year, I think it was, was so he could get a little bit of urban, a little bit of t- little taste of urban in it, meaning the way urban, yeah. you know, did things offensively, et cetera. Uh, my right. point is, you know, uh, Tom Herman even told me one time that, you know, having Urban Meyer on your resume is a good thing, meaning you've worked with this guy who has shown he can build not just championship teams, national championship teams, national championship uh, perpetual contenders, which is uh, – so, yeah, I think, you know, like I said, Urban is a tough guy to work for, the way I understand it, because he expects you to be better today than you were yesterday – Etc. I expect you to always be working, uh, always improving. <clears throat> but with that said, there is a method to his quote madness, and uh, yeah, I think he, I think he would be able to hire staff without a doubt, uh, a very good staff. Yeah. And what does your gut say? Do you think this has a decent chance of happening if they do let Tom go? Guys, I'm looking at it from. Uh, I'm about. I'm a, uh, let's say I'm in the SR-71 Blackbird. I'm looking at it from like 80 <laughs> to 100,000 feet. Love it. And, uh, and I'm seeing a really ridiculous amount of money it would take to buy out Tom Herman in what I think is still a tough situation, tough time. I know, you know, you could pass the plate 
at any Texas X's meeting and come up with the money, so to speak? Do you really want to come up with that much money when, in fact, you've cut back staff, et cetera, you know, uh, to just buy him out? And then what it's going to take to uh, to get Urban Meyer, because I, I would think Urban Meyer's not coming there, uh, for example, uh, for much less than maybe what Nick Saban or Jimbo Fisher are making. Definitely probably not less than Jimbo Fisher is making, because I wouldn't either, you know. I mean, he's the other big dog in the state, right, when it comes to money. So, I mean, I would think Texas is going to – my gut feeling is I think Texas is going to ride this one out uh, through next year and see what happens. That's what my gut tells me. But uh, I think Urban would be interested right. whether or not he would be interested enough to take the job. That's two different two different uh, conversations. And I, and I love that he's real. Uh, I think – wasn't it Urban – when someone mentioned the Dallas Cowboys and he goes, there's certain people, if that phone rings, you answer that call. If Jerry yeah. Jones calls, you answer that call. So I think if the University of Texas calls and Urban Meyer answers that call, I don't, I don't know that he takes the job, but I know that he'd answer that call. Yeah, you're a fool not to, you know, and, uh, you know, in any business, if something bigger and better and maybe an area you aspired to at one point in your career uh, does call. That doesn't mean, like you said, it doesn't mean you take the job, but yeah, if Jerry Jones calls, you know, America's team, you know, you answer the phone. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, I had a, ah, I won't get into that. I had a great conversation with Jerry Jones one time. Thanks to my buddy, Rich Dalrymple. He's one of my best friends. Good and, guy. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's another story for another podcast. No, go ahead. I want to hear it. <laughs> no, we just, uh, we met him. Uh, yeah. uh, Rich was giving me a, uh, uh, was giving me a tour what do they call the place up there? The uh, Jerry World. Yeah, Jerry World. But Frisco, they've got another name for the uh, for the for the facility. The Star. Oh, the Star. Yeah, he was giving me a tour of the Star, and we happened upon Jerry and a couple of his uh, lawyers were having lunch in the club there. They're the only ones in there, and uh, I won't get into the detail about it because it was pretty much us just shooting the bull. But when I number one, he was very interested because it was right after kind of the Zeke Elliott uh, situation that was going on, and I was giving him, you know, hey. You know, we don't we don't turn a blind eye to anything that happens. This is when I was still working at the dispatch. We don't turn a blind eye to anything that happens when it comes to uh, Ohio State football players and coaches. You know, you know, as far as media goes, I mean, covering things that are legit or not legit. If you follow my drift, and so we picked my and of course he found it. You know, I told him I was from Lufkin, which is where Des Bryant was from. That was when Des was still on the team. So we had some pretty interesting conversations there. I'll just kind of leave it at that right now. <laughs> Ohio State, right there in the thick of the CFP rankings, uh, in the top four. Uh, what what's your feeling on the likelihood Ohio State plays this weekend at Michigan and has enough games to qualify and get in the Final Four? Yeah, the, the uh, percentage I put on it the other day. I don't know when this pod when's this podcast come out, so I can I can freshen up my percentages it drops every thursday okay well on on tuesday of this week i put the percentage at about 70 percent to 80 percent that they're going to play this week you know and that's you know okay it takes two to tango as, yes, as you all know uh so michigan state's got to stay clean too but uh ohio state had two straight rounds because in the big 10 they, they uh, test six out of every seven days uh i don't know what they're doing wow. in the big 12 wow. i sure don't know what they're doing in the sec not, not, that, not, as, not that much. Not I've heard some safe. strange stories about the SEC and their testing procedures. But uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, 
<laughs> if they, they needed pretty much three straight days of zero pos- new positives, and they had gotten them up to two, I think, on Tuesday, uh, we're you know still waiting on Wednesday tests as we as we tape this interview. But uh, you know, I think it's 70, 80 percent uh, middle of the week. I, I think if they got past Wednesday with zero, it'd be like 90 to 100 percent they're going to play. Mm-hmm. How many players are going to be missing? Ohio State has given us no on the record uh, number for that. I'm thinking there could be uh, eight or nine players missing, uh, uh, only a, f- a handful of those being possible starters. But, you know, the problem with the Big Ten is if you test positive and you're a player and it's found to be a true positive, not mm-hmm. a false positive, and all the words we're dealing with these days, right, fellas? Um, if it's found to be a true positive, you have to basically sit for 21 days. Oh, so crazy. those players that were found out a week ago to be positive wouldn't be back until Wednesday or Thursday of uh, of of the uh, Big Ten championship game week, if in fact they get to that point, which I think they will. But bottom line is I think Ohio State will get this game in this week against Michigan State. We sit here today and record this, and I think there's a good shot of them getting in – the game against Michigan in Ohio Stadium next week. You know, you all heard what Kirk Herbstreet said on the college football playoff show. You know, people kind of run with uh, kind of run with rumors anymore, but uh, about maybe Michigan bowing out. I don't think Michigan j- can just bow out and just say we don't want to play. I think yeah. they have to have evidence they can't play. Number two, it's their this is this will be their one shot to, you know. Yeah. Resurrect about, this season. I mean, save, maybe save, save their coach's job. Yeah, save their coach's jobs, etc. I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't see that happening at all. And you know, I've been wrong a few times, but not many. But uh, I don't see that happening. I see them playing, and that uh, could be an interesting day in Ohio Stadium. Let, let me just put it that way. But with what's on the line for Ohio State, they'd probably just soon play Michigan State Saturday and play Michigan the next day on Sunday. And as bad as and, sh- and, sh- and shut down that that place up north. As long as they're clear, oh, yeah, yeah. As long as they're clear. Hey, man. <laughs> but just think about it. You know, we're sitting here talking about Tom Herman, and they've had a couple of. I mean, that game against Oklahoma this year, fellas, that was a classic. I mean, I covered Oklahoma Texas games back in the early seventies when I was when I was at the Lufkin News, and uh, uh, you know that was back when games got over in like two hours and twenty minutes. Remember when both were running the wishbone? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, those were the good old days as far as being a sports writer. But uh, but that was a classic, you deadline. know. And uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is uh, – uh, Yeah, those were deadline-friendly days. Yeah, but they've – I mean, I'm just talking about this this year, though. They've had a couple of tough moments. and uh, But, you know, they, when it goes down as an L, it goes down as an L, you know, and you don't spell hook them with an L. And they just can't get over the hump. And maybe they will if they – and if they ride it out with Tom for another year, it could happen. But it just it just seems like he's always going uphill, and he's just never been able to yeah to step well, over this, into this, that that profitable part. He's been he's been at, he's been you know this is a he's deep into his uh, tenure now at Texas. You know he's got his own player, so to speak, etc. Yes, but I want to tell you something, fellas. Look look at the Big Ten. You take Ohio State off the top of the Big Ten East. The Big Ten East is upside down this year. The rankings. I mean, the yes. standings are upside down. Penn State and and Michigan were playing for pride last week, you know. And Penn State finally was zero and five going into that game. I mean, this may not be the right year Amazing. to judge. I mean, I'm I'm not defending Tom Herman or anything. I look, you know, I really I liked him when he was out of state. Stan Drayton's one of my favorite people I've ever run into. 
Chris Ash the same way. I mean, these are guys that have gotten it done, you know, before. And I just think this is a, you know, just look at look at the way Oklahoma started 0-2, you know, and uh, and Here then they, they handed off that 0-2 baton to Texas, you know, uh, that two straight losing. Yeah. But, uh, but my point is I think this is a – I just think cooler heads are going to prevail in the sense of maybe this isn't the right time to pull the trigger. Uh, but who knows, man? Yeah, it's a terrible time to be making decisions like that. Luke Fickle's another guy, you know, former yeah. Ohio State guy. He, he kind of – is on their radar as well. That guy, should I don't know if he ends up in Michigan or if Matt Campbell ends up there. But you like Fickle? You like Fickle? I like Fickle a lot. You know, he got handed a he got handed a. Uh, uh, Are you impressed with? He got he got a handed almost a poison apple when he uh, took over for that one year uh, for Ohio State. Uh, number one, he couldn't hire his own staff. Number two, they were missing five or six of their of their uh, main main players because of the tattoo gate. Which, by the way, today. Based on what's gone on and some other programs since then, today that might have caused them maybe the players to miss a game. I mean, it's just crazy. Name, image, and likeness is coming around the corner. And it's amazing the penalty mm-hmm. that Ohio State got for really fairly insignificant stuff. I mean, that's and true. you look back on it five years from now, uh, yeah. uh, it's going to be interesting. But uh, but my point was uh, uh, he had that one year uh, and, and – Still, you know, they went uh, six and six during the regular season, uh, but then lost to ironically Florida in their in the Gator Bowl, which was a month and a half after they had hired Urban Meyer, who had been at Florida. I mean, the the irony of that whole thing was really odd. So the, the first Ohio State losing season since uh, 1988. So uh, and the only one since then. But but yeah, Luke Fickle, you've seen what he's done at Cincinnati. He's built a s- stellar program. They recruit extremely mm-hmm. well. For their for their level, and uh, he's got some really good guys on that staff, and I'm sure he would bring some good guys no matter where he goes. And you know, you can wait your whole life. Uh, I've said this a million times. Well, would he ever take that Michigan job? I'm probably not. You know, but knowing Luke, I mean, he played the Rose Bowl for Ohio State with a torn pec muscle. So that's how much Tough he cares guy. about Ohio State. Uh, but uh, wow, but. You can wait your whole life for your dream blue blood job to come along and it not come along. You not be with the right record at the mm-hmm. right time to get it. There are only a few of these jobs around, as you guys know, Texas being one of them. And, uh, you know, it's, if it happens, you know, you can't – like Urban says, if those kind of teams call you, you got to at least answer the phone. Yeah, and there's not, and there's not always a lot of turnover in these no. big powerhouse jobs. So uh, I think if Michigan hollered at Luke Fickle, Luke Fickle would holler back. I mean, I think he would listen. It's, I mean, you know, Michigan. Yeah. Or, you know, Bo Schimbeckler, you know, had never been, had never been a part of Michigan until he took the head coaching job there. He'd been an assistant coach with uh, Woody Hayes before he was a head coach at Miami university in Oxford, Ohio. Uh, and then Gary Moeller, he was a captain at Ohio state mm-hmm. and uh, went to work for uh, Bo at, uh, at Ohio, at, at Michigan, and became Bo's successor. You know, so where you come from doesn't really matter. Yeah. It just matters what you do once you get there. Exactly. <laughs> you need to get the job done. So, like you said, you got to answer the phone. So, and and we're glad you answered the phone. <laughs> we may be calling you more. <laughs> so don't yeah. get just the number. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah. Don't lose our number, uh, Tim. It's been a great pleasure, and I'm 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 gonna get off of here and uh, log into the uh, Tim May podcast 
because I need to I need to hear some more of this. This talk. Me, yes, sir. Let me interrupt you, Sid, because before you get to my glowing, uh, glowing uh, exit here, uh, uh, what is y'all's gut feeling about what's going to happen at Texas? I mean, that's a ridiculously heavy buyout from a standpoint of millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars. And, you know, was it 15 or 16? The way I understand yeah. it, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, and then to go out and hire a big time coach, is going to cost millions of dollars. Uh, do you, do you really think Texas has a stomach to do that right now in the kind of the economic uh, financial situation? A lot of colleges are in right now because of the pandemic, et cetera. I mean, I'm just looking at, I think money talks and BS walks, uh, you know, most of the time, do you think Texas has the stomach to pull the trigger on something like that right now? Absolutely. They okay. just don't care. They got money and they, they, they overpay. Uh, coach has one good year and they can't wait to extend him. I mean, right. it happened with Tom. It happened with Shaka smart and they, they will do it. And uh, they'll get, they can, they can look at a cookie jar and find that money because they just, they want to so badly be the best. And if they don't think Tom's the guy anymore, uh, they, they will buy him out and they won't look yeah. back. Go ahead, Kurt. They'll have a tent meeting of the Texas X's and pass the plate is what you're trying to say. Oh, yeah. Pass the barrel for sure. Yeah. Duck. Just remember, Tim, uh, Red McCombs, uh, one of their most famous boosters, has said Texas has more money than the Vatican. So yeah. uh, just uh, – <laughs> Keep that in mind. So, yeah, they, they they have the stomach for it, and too much of the fan base is checked out. And Ohio State's stealing too many of their good recruits, as well as Alabama. So, it's yeah. just, you know, I we both I think we both think they're leaning heavily toward pulling that trigger. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And Tom well, Scott. I just remember there's only so long you can go, like you said, until Malaise sets in. And uh, that happened at, at, at Michigan, you know, a couple of times. And they still haven't found their guy. You know, if you just look at the record uh, ever since uh, Lloyd Carr left, they didn't know how great a guy Lloyd Carr was. You know, he seemed kind of boring to a lot of people, but, but he that won. was an effective coach. But he hey, won. You know, that's why this idea that there's a, you know, uh, you've got to get this guy or else is really interesting because sometimes the guy that, that when one guy turns down a job, the second guy that or third guy that takes it ends up being that guy. You know, he ends up being the the secret uh, the secret to your success, and uh, so I'm very interested, obviously, to see what happens down in Texas because I still believe it is one of the blue blood jobs. Uh, number one, blue blood blue blood programs. That's hard to say three times in a row. And uh, like you said, it has all all of the uh, wherewithal to still be that way. And uh, all you got to do is go out and recruit because you know, bottom line is, guys, Woody Hayes wrote that book. You know, you win with people. Uh, Bear Bryant believed in that, you know, so did Darrell Royal right on down the line. Uh, you got to have the big time players. And that's where Oklahoma, I think, really has held sway all these years in the Big 12. And uh, and you can look at Texas recruiting rankings are decent, but they're not up there, you know, where they maybe they should be. Not get not given the 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 fertile grounds of this area. I mean, well, it's not like top you got to be top stars. ten if you wake up in the morning, but yeah. you should be you should be top three every year. Yeah, the more five stars you get, the more mistakes you can make in recruiting if you follow my drift. Because if you get a if you get a four star and he plays like a five star, you've done a hell of a job. But if you get a three star and he plays like a two star, you know, uh, yeah. that's the old thing. And those recruiting rankings are nebulous, but they're not that nebulous. They they do tell you who the great players are. That the Iowa State running back Brees Hall after they beat Texas goes. 
Um, it, it was just it was five star culture beating five star players. I mean, yeah, wow, that was that telling. Crazy. That was telling. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm telling you something. Matt Campbell, I've met him a couple of times. Got to talk to him for a while at one point. Uh, he's that a guy, star. He's a star. That guy is a that guy's a five star coach. I'm telling you. You know, mm-hmm. he's also a very loyal dude. Uh, has to be. And, Why is he still there? Why is he still well, there? Yeah, because he's a loyal dude. I mean, he's mm-hmm. like. I mean, he he believes in loyalty. But uh, you know, you can. You know, there aren't many times in your life when uh, when the blue blood programs come calling, and uh, you know, he could be the hottest name. He could be the hottest name in the country here in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Well, Tim, man, we yeah, appreciate it. We appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's and, uh, been fun. This is- if if her, if the urban talk heats up, uh, we're going we're gonna to be giving you a call again. And uh, just a pleasure to have you on. The uh, Tim May podcast drops every Tuesday on LettermanRoad.com. Must listen. Check it out. We appreciate all, you, brother. All, yeah. And all of your major uh, uh, podcasts. Uh, platforms and in, including YouTube. So the bad thing is on the YouTube, you got to look at me, but said it's been a <laughs> golden moment for me, man, being on with you fellas. I want to let you know that duck. Thank you, brother. Take Stay care. Safe, Bye-bye. All right. See you, man. On second thought. That will do it for episode 202 of on second thought. We got to thank Tim May of lettermanroad.com for joining us. For the Duck Kirk Bowles, I'm Cedric Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.